you're ready to talk fantasy football, then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Burke. So I knew it was too good to be true that my partner Scott and I are going to get along here. And we have our first discussion as, partner, why don't you explain to the, the public that you're very upset that I sniped you in our dynasty league. You feel like I purposely made a pick to block you, which is just simply not true. No, of course it's true. I mean, you know, you you put, you put all that onus on me that I'm, I'm nothing but a Steeler guy and whatever it might be. And in this dynasty league where every single tight end, including Tony Gonzalez, has been drafted, you know, before the 20th round, I'm queued up to take Jesse James as the backup. You, I know you say he's listed as a starter, and you already have Vance McDonald, so you decide to go team tight end right in front of me and take Jesse James. So now I'm rolling out Jimmy Graham with you know, 97-year-old Ed Dixon and taking a flyer on Ryan Griffin. So I appreciate uh, you, uh, you know, purposely blocking me from taking the backup Steelers tight end. Well, to be fair, though, and welcome, folks, to the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Myself, Randall Rand, Scott Burke here. And to be honest, you know that – we're right a lot of time, partner, but sometimes we're wrong. And I don't think I'm wrong that the tight end for the Steelers is going to be productive. I don't think so at all. It was productive with Heath Miller. It was a little productive last year with Jesse James. I'm just worried on who it was going to be. To be fair, I did not take him back to back. I think there were at least, what, two or three picks before you could have taken Jesse James, right? I mean, I don't think it was a back to back pick with Vance McDonald. No, I mean, it wasn't back-to-back. I mean, I could have taken Jesse James, but I didn't think Jesse James in the 19th or 20th round made a complete sense. I mean, this is a 33-round draft. You know, I'm trying to fill other holes here. You know, I got, you know, uh, Tyrod Taylor's rocking as a quarterback. I'm going your method here. He's my third quarterback, so God forbid Ben or Goff get injured. That's the route I got to go. So, I mean, I'm trying to find value at other positions, thinking, all right, all these guys that got tight ends, everybody's got four or five tight ends. You got a couple of tight ends. You have three or four. I could get Jesse James later on, and sure enough, there you go, take him. And here now, as we sit here, I think around twenty-three, my next guy I was going to take was the guy Herndon from the Jets, this tight end. And sure enough, he gets picked. <laughs> so I mean, this is just—it's out of control. I mean, the uh, tight ends just—it's it, not good for me. I mean, I and two of them—you have to start two. I have three, Graham and Dixon, both have a bye week, week seven. So week seven gonna be rough for me at the tight end position, you know, unless I could fall into. Uh, Maybe I'll get Daniel Fells. <laughs> Maybe I can run, run into him. Ben Watson. Ben Watson is still out there. Ben Watson still absolutely. Very good. There you go. You'll, you'll find somebody. All right. There's the whistle. First quarter news and notes, and we have a big one right at the beginning. ESPN's Adam Schefter reports that Tampa Bay quarterback Jameis Winston will be suspended three games for violating the league's personal conduct policy. This was the incident back in March of 2016 where he was accused of groping an Uber driver. He was not charged with a crime, but of course these incidents with everything that's gone on in the past with Ray Rice and Ezekiel Elliott last year are going to be disciplined under personal conduct. It looks like Jameis Winston is out for three games. Yeah, this news just broke, man. I want to say maybe an hour before we got ready to record here tonight and, uh, you know, it's a tough blow for Tampa Bay, but, you know, it, to me it also opens the door now to really think about Winston's future in Tampa Bay. There's been a lot of stuff with him down there. you got to wonder about his credibility, what the organization really thinks about about him going forward. You know, it's a three-game suspension. We've seen a lot of these suspension guys appeal. Maybe he appeals here and he gets knocked down to two. But when you just look at the immediate impact for Tampa Bay, who now Ryan Fitzpatrick barring any other transactions from now to the beginning of the season, you know, is going to go out there and for the first three weeks, he's going to face the Saints, the Eagles, and the Steelers. 
So that really puts a, uh, a crimp in the uh, Tampa Bay uh, armor. Now, Fitzpatrick's a capable quarterback, but those are three tough games, and you'd hate to start 0-3, knowing part of the reason your, your young quarterback was suspended. Free agent wide receiver Eric Decker would love to play for the Patriots. He's 31 years old. It's been a cold market. He's a guy who really isn't super fast and has trouble separating. Of course, dropped a lot of passes last year, and the entire Tennessee offense was not doing anything last year. But he would like to come up to New England with no Julian Edelman. Is that a possibility? Well, in other news, the sky is blue, the sun is hot. I mean, of course, why wouldn't he want to go play in New England? I mean, he's, he's still young enough. That's a perfect guy to go play with Tom Brady. So, listen, if he could find his way up there, sure, it could be useful. But, I mean, he had a real bad season in Tennessee. He really didn't make any noise with the Titans. And, you know, I have to say, I mean, like you said, it'd be very cold for him. Could he be an impact player for New England? Maybe here or there, but no real significant value, I think, even if he went up there. Cowboys reporter Marcus Mosier reports that Alan Hearns is the team's clear-cut number one receiver through spring practices. You have Cole Beasley, you have Terrence Williams. They didn't re-sign Bryce Butler, and they let Des Bryant go. We've talked about Alan Hearns. Is he rising for you? Are you considering picking him in single-digit rounds now? Uh, this is great news for me in the Dynasty League because I took him in the Dynasty League with the clear intentions of him being the number one guy. So this is great news. Listen, he can climb up. I don't know about the single-digit rounds. You know, We'll see as we get closer to uh, you know late July, early August, and we start looking at these draft, redraft situations, see what injuries are out there, what you know events have transpired to get us to where we are. But I like Alan Hearns. I mean, look, someone's got to catch the ball, right? In, in Dallas, Dez is gone. Winston's gone. You and I both don't like Cole Beasley. However, you drafted Cole Beasley. And, you know, I, I, Gaff- I was <laughs> looking for somebody. PPR, I was just looking for somebody. <laughs> I just, you know, it's like maybe he gets 60 balls. I don't know. I, I yeah, 60 balls. Okay. All right. Anyway. <laughs> We got you know, Michael Gallup's a rookie. You know who knows who's playing tight end, right? I know you know we may go into the next news and note on the guy they think is going to play tight end, but somebody's got to get the ball there. Hearns is young. He was able to be successful with Blake Bortles when healthy. You get, in my opinion, Dak Prescott a better quarterback, sure, a more, more mobile quarterback, but still probably a better quarterback overall than Blake Bortles. It's a good situation. Hearns offers plenty of value, I think. The Houston Chronicle reports that Texans' fourth-round Kiki Kuti is an upgrade on Braxton Miller in the slot. Are you interested in him, a late-round pick, the slot receiver for the Texans? No, I'm not. I've, I've stared at him a few times in this dynasty draft, passed on him. No no interest yet. I, let me see something first, see if there's any value there, if he looks, looks the part. But, uh... No, no real value. And finally, Terrell Pryor blames his down 2017 on his ankle injury. What are your thoughts on Terrell Pryor? This this news and notes must have been right around my dynasty team because I also drafted him. Listen, I'm hoping for a bounce back. I'm hoping it was an injury that cost him some time and cost him, you know, the ability to produce like he did the years prior. It's a new situation. It's a fresh start. He has a chance to make an impact on this team. I think if healthy... I'm not saying he's going to return to the form of two years ago, but he could be a viable, maybe a wide receiver three with low wide receiver two potential in a jet offense that's going to be starving for playmakers. All right, let's move on to the second quarter. Now, this is interesting. Why don't you go through your top ten first? People had asked us for our rankings, our quarterback rankings. So we actually have our redraft quarterback rankings right now. Scott and I, we did one all the way down to, yeah, 27 or 28. So why don't you start by going over your top ten, then I'll go over my top ten, and we'll see where we disagree. All right, top ten for me, no no real changes up top. Aaron Rodgers is one. I put Tom Brady in the two spot. Sean Watson sits third, Carson Wentz fourth, Drew Brees in the five hole, probably where I'll get some slack from you, Ben Roethlisberger's in the six, 
Jimmy Garoppolo, 7. Cam Newton, 8. Russell Wilson is 9. And my boy Matt Stafford cracks the top 10 for me. You know, I, I, I have to laugh. I, you could be such a great fantasy analyst yeah, if you yeah, could just it. simply get rid of this bias. I don't think I've seen one ranking that has Ben Roethlisberger as – and you do it every year. Has there ever been a year where you say Ben Roethlisberger is going to be 13? Ever. And he has Probably. he ever even finished in the top five? Maybe once. Maybe once. And I'm going – I don't know what you're going by. I'm going by total points. I'm going by end of season – total points. Now, if you want to tell me that Ben gets hurt and maybe he has a great 11 or 12 games and this is an average, I could see it. How on earth is Ben Roethlisberger going to finish as a top six quarterback when I don't think he's ever done that maybe once in his entire career? How is that possible? Well, he's only been a top 10 quarterback once the past eight years. So listen, sometimes blind squirrel finds a nut. He's got ton of weapons he's got a running back that's going to catch 70 balls he's got a wide receiver that catches everything thrown to him and then he's got a young wide receiver who, who really stepped apart i think he has the weapons you and i both agree the tight ends are going to be a valuable piece i think there's going to be plenty of options for him to throw the football to the offense is still that very good offense and if he stays healthy he's got the ability i don't expect him to throw five interceptions in a game again this year so i think he's got a potential to be in the top six sure you want to call it bias call it what you want but when you look at the other quarterbacks in that area, in you know, that 6 through 12, 6 through 13, they all put up similar numbers. So any, there could be any type of shift from, from that position down. So for me, I put him in the sixth spot. But what – here's the thing. Le'Veon Bell has caught 80 balls before. He's done that multiple times. Antonio Brown has been the number one fantasy wide receiver in football for God knows how many years. And with those things, he's never been able to get to this level. Like I said, maybe once for a certain amount of time. Now you have a new offensive coordinator who, yes, I know is within the system, but you have to assume at least there's going to be a changeover and you're dealing with him being older and you're dealing with Le'Veon Bell, of course, again, trying to, you know, for a while, Le'Veon Bell couldn't stay healthy. Now he has been healthy. Does that mean he's going to be healthy for the rest of his career? And at some point, can Antonio Brown possibly drop down to number three? And they lost Martavis Bryant, who was a huge part of that. I just, what is the rationale here? Is it, maybe you think their defense isn't going to be great and they'll have to score points? That oh, the defense hasn't been great for the past But, but I mean, that's the thing. So you think they're going to have to score, score okay. points? I mean, again, I mean, I think you, when you when you look at these numbers, these these six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, whatever quarterbacks, you're talking about you know difference between five points, ten points, twenty points. So any given, you know, that's true. That's you true. take a couple of interceptions away, anybody can go up and down. I mean, again, I, do I see him throwing five picks against Jacksonville in one game? No. Can the turnovers come down? Can he put? Can he throw for 250, 300 more yards? Sure. Can he throw an extra touchdown or two? Yeah. So when you get into that area, it's just a matter of. One touchdown here, one less interception there, a couple more yards. So the fluctuation moves much more in that area than it really does from that top one, two, three, four spot. All right. Well, looking at some of my rankings really quick, I got Aaron Rodgers one, Wentz two, Garoppolo three, which I know is very high, Newton four, Breeze five, Brady six, Stafford seven, Deshaun Watson eighth, Rivers nine, and Luck ten. Now looking at the ones that we disagree the most on. I have Garoppolo third. You have Garoppolo seven. Now, that's not a huge deal. I mean, you're basically saying he's within the top 10. I just think I've seen and I give up. I give up doubting Jimmy Garoppolo. I gave up doubting him in New England when he came in for a few games. I gave up doubting that he really wasn't that good when he was traded to San Francisco. This is a team that had one win. They won their last five games with him. Now in an offseason with Kyle Shanahan in a division which isn't like dominating. I wouldn't say the Cardinals and Seattle, that that's a huge dominating division. I think he's going to be very, very safe, and I think he's going to score a lot of points. He also runs a little bit. So I don't, you don't think that's crazy because we're fairly close on Garoppolo, no? 
No, I'm not. I don't think it's crazy, but I mean, again, this is a seven-game sample size that you saw, you know, with the team that was winless at the time, so was you know pretty much just letting him play. You know what I mean? There were there were no reins being held back. Let him play. Let him throw the football, and you know he produced well. I mean, again, I have seven. You have three. Do I think three is a little high? Sure, but again, we're four spots away. What it may be, you know, you. You got to be a believer in his weapons. You're a believer in the wide receivers. You're a believer in Pierre Garcon. You're a believer in Marquise Goodwin. Is Kittle the guy for you? So if you're a believer in the, the playmakers that he's got, and we both, I think, are believers in Jarek McKinnon, then yeah, I mean, he's got a potential definitely to be in that top five, top seven category. That's where I have him. Would I put him three? Obviously not. I put him at seven. But again, you, you know, it's about being bold. It's about not giving people the status quo. And that's what I think people look for here is someone to take this step and try and make a, a, re, a rationale as to why you would put Garoppolo three, and you just did that. Newton, I got four. You have eight. Again, that's pretty close. I look for, for differences of five or more here. Breeze, we both have on the money. Brady, I thought, is interesting. You have Brady as two. I'm just I'm done with the Tom Brady stuff. I, Brady always gets off to a bad start, okay? He's getting older. There's definitely friction in New England. He doesn't have Julian Edelman. I just think at some point there's going to be a drop-off. I cannot see his best performance of his career, which is what this would be if he was two. I think there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off there. That's why I have Brady low. I do not expect him to be dominating from the start. I expect him to struggle, and he'll probably hit his stride. But I, I think the end is coming for Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, the end might be coming, but you gotta you got to figure out, is his drop-off significant enough to where someone else can rise enough to move up ahead of him? You know, So he's always been... Low on the turnovers. The interception number's always been low. The touchdown passes, yeah, they don't pick up early, but they do pick up late. He'll get Edelman back later on, you know, after the suspension. He's still going to have Gronkowski. He's got 55 running backs he can pick and choose from to get involved in the games. And he, he turns people into valuable assets. He turned Edelman into a valuable asset. He turned Amendola into a valuable asset. He's got seven wide receivers that are all chomping at the bit they get. They're young ones. Dorsett, Mitchell, you know, they brought in Cordero Patterson. So there's plenty of guys that he can try and make names. You know, listen, I believe the downturn is coming as well. I just don't know if it's going to come just yet. And then when you look at the rest of these quarterbacks on the outside, to me, they got to take a significant jump up in order to leap him in that spot. We, Matt Stafford, I have seven, you have 10. I agree. I think he's very, very safe, especially with that offensive line I've talked about. Deshaun Watson. And listen, we talked Warren Sharp. We said last time with his rankings there for Roto World, has the Texans as having one of the easiest schedules this year. I get that. I just think Deshaun Watson's touchdown ratio cannot be kept going. I think it's impossible. He was a guy that forced a lot of balls, a lot of danger throws last year, a lot of areas where he's trying to fit it in there, and I think the turnovers are going to come. I think in order for Deshaun Watson to hit the level that you and everyone else, by the way, if you go to Fantasy Pros, they have Deshaun Watson like two or something like that. So you're in that area. The majority of people think Deshaun Watson is going to explode this year. He's going to stay healthy for 16 games, and he's going to dominate. I guess I just don't have that much faith in the Houston Texans coaching staff, and I still think we need to remember it's the Texans, and they're playing the Jaguars, and they're playing the Colts. It should have a healthy Andrew Luck, and I think Watson is turnover prone. That's why I put him low. Yeah, he may be turnover prone, but he's got just the dual threat that we saw, the ability to run. I'm sure he's coming off, he's coming off the ACL, so he may not run nearly as much, but the connection that he had with the two wide receivers, it was just, it was, he was uncanny. You know, he was just, he wasn't afraid to put the ball there. They weren't afraid to go make the plays. And when you look, when you look at this list of quarterbacks, you know, Watson Wentz of the younger variety, but then they're surrounded by, you know, the Rogers, the Brady's, the Breeze, 
the Staffords, you know, so for all the veterans. So there's a couple of guys that are a little younger that we have in this in this top ten. I have Watson a little higher than you do, and I think it's just because he's young, he's fresh. That defense should be better, which should in turn help the offense succeed uh, with a healthy Watt. Again, hopefully he can stay healthy for one year, and Clowney being healthy. And just for me, I, I liked what I saw last year. Just as much as you liked what you saw with Garoppolo for, for seven games, I liked what I saw with Watson for seven games. And I thought that Watson was able to do a little bit more, and he has more weapons to work with. We basically agree on Andrew Luck. So we think Andrew Luck is coming back and going to be solid. I don't think he's, he can project him to dominate, like you said, especially with that receiving core. The running back core is very, very shaky. But I have Philip Rivers 9 and you have him 14. I I think this is a big year for the Chargers. I think they upgraded their defense. They certainly got um, secondary help in the draft. I see the Chargers as really having a very, very good season. I think that the can- the Chiefs could take a step back with with basically a rookie quarterback. I mean, he's not a rookie, but he, he is a guy who has not started before there in Patrick Mahomes. I like Rivers a lot. I think he's been consistent. I think this could be his last roundup. You have him at 14. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Rivers too. I mean, last year he had a good year with uh, interceptions, but he's you know, he's always been a little bit in- interception prone, turnover prone. He's another one of those guys who has no fear when throwing the football. He tends to make a few more mistakes than others. And, you know, I had Rivers last year. I used him, and I liked him, you know. And he actually filled and played a lot of games for me when you tried to get him for me for Jameis Winston. I I just think, again, as we get to this part here, this is a matter of a couple of things go each way and anybody could flip-flop. Does me putting Rivers 14 and you 9 mean I don't like Rivers, you know, at all? No. It just means I think a couple of guys will have a better season. I think Goff takes a next step forward with his weapons. We both think Andrew Luck will come back to form. He's not going to be top five right away, but we do think he's right on the top ten. We both like Stafford. So Rivers is going to get his touchdowns. If Mike Williams could be a factor, he's going to have another nice target to throw the football to. They'll try to figure out the tight end position. And then Melvin Gordon with his 1.7 per carry can hopefully you know expand on that so Rivers can throw the football a little more to other people. So, again, the difference is five spots, but – I think from a point standpoint, we're kind of right in the same boat. Yeah, and we'll we'll post this up on on the website, Randall Rent, so you guys can take a look at us and certainly tweet us at PUT Blitz on Twitter and let us know what you think. A couple more, Scott, that I'll look in the second half here. I don't understand the love of Russell Wilson. I know Russell Wilson has been spectacular every year in fantasy. He doesn't have great options. Their offensive line isn't great. They're going to play a very difficult schedule. I know people think game script. He's going to have to fire it all over the place. You are kind of with me. I have him 14, you have him 9th, and I would say that we are much lower than consensus on Fantasy Pros where have him as 4. I'm with you. I don't think Russell Wilson is got I mean eventually Seattle can't just keep dominating with Russell Wilson running around while their defense Yeah, I mean I think they'll catch up. Russell Wilson, you know, the teams are going to catch up to him a little bit. He loses Jimmy Graham. Uh, he loses that red zone target. Doug Baldwin's still there. But then you look at the other options in the running back situation. Can Penny and Carson really produce? And can they figure that all out? I think just it's a matter of, you know, as the years go on, the teams will start to catch up with Russ. I mean, again, I don't drop him down to 14 like you do. I keep him in the top 10. But I just think that he does take a step back. The division's going to be a little bit tougher. And like you said, it's only as it's only a matter of time before, you know, running around with the legs as much as he's done and scrambling it will catch up to you at some point, and I think it will start to catch up to him now. He's not gonna, I don't think he doesn't fall out of the top 15 for me yet, but maybe in a couple of years ago. And just a couple last ones, and then throw in whoever you want. I dropped Jameis Winston, assuming he was going to get suspended. 
they said four, it ends up being three. I'm looking at cumulative points here, partner. So I don't see a way that Jameis Winston not playing the first three games. And this annoys the heck out of me because I was so down on Jameis Winston. He was going to be a guy I was going to avoid. People think they have all these weapons and that Jameis is going to have volume. Jameis is not very good. He is not very accurate. He really doesn't run that much anymore. I'm not a big Jameis guy. So he was a guy that I was very, very down on. And that's why I put him down the bottom. I don't think he's going to have a monster year when he comes back. And now he's going to miss a a lot of the season. So if you, my rankings were cumulative points. I don't see him getting any higher. And then of course, Tyrod Taylor. Listen, you know, I love Tyrod Taylor and I would have put Tyrod Taylor much higher. I think you had him much higher than me. I had him 26. I have him 27. If he quarterbacks the whole year in Cleveland, I absolutely have him in my top 15, but I think he's going to get replaced by Baker Mayfield. I think they're going to want Mayfield. They're going to want the number one pick in there. I don't see Hugh Jackson staying with him very long, and that's why I dropped him. So I think Tyrod, when he plays, is definitely a fringe QB one week to week, but in total points, I just don't think he's going to stay in the field that much. Yeah, I mean, as far as Winston goes, you know, I have him 17, but this was pre-suspension. Uh, I put this ranking out before the suspension was was uh, put out that it happened, but I didn't do it with the anticipation of the suspension. So that, that'll drop as uh, time goes on and we put this on the website. I like Tyrod Taylor. Maybe it's just, maybe I'm just a sucker for the, for the guy. I mean, I thought he got a raw deal in Buffalo. I thought he did everything he could to keep that team afloat in every single game. I think he could throw a decent ball. I think he's able to utilize his legs. He's going to have some, he's got, you know, listen, the Cleveland Brown offense from a skill position set is much improved when you bring you know, Gordon coming back now. You get you bring in Landry, you got Coleman, you have steady tight ends, and then you got you know three legitimate running backs that can all contribute in Hyde, uh, Duke Johnson, and you draft Nick Chubb. So I I I think the weapons are there. I I agree with you. He may not make this whole season, but I, maybe it's just me rooting for the guy to get a chance to play a full season with with a little bit more talent around him. So I put him at twenty one. I mean, listen, he's going to be a streaming option, matchup dependent for you uh, in redraft. But he can offer some sneaky value. And you know, so for me, I, I'm banking that he's going to play at least 10 games, maybe 12, and then take it from there. So maybe his numbers drop. But even that low, you know, injuries can happen. And you look at the guys you get surrounded around him, Andy Dalton, like Bortles, Case Keenum, and so forth. So guys like that may not produce even as consistently as he would through 12 games. All right, very good. There's our quarterback rankings. We will get them up on the website, and then we'll we'll tweet them out to you guys can talk to us about them. Moving into the third quarter, let's do a little consensus contrarian. Now, these are players, and I'll give three here to start, that I am higher on than everybody else is. The first one I'm going to talk about, and I saw this tweet from Evan Silva that Deontay Foreman may not be out, may be out for a while, may start the, the year on the PUP list. Listen, I don't see how people aren't going after Lamar Miller a little more. Lamar Miller right now on Fantasy Football Calculator, and I am not a huge Lamar Miller guy, but how often can you get a starting running back on an offense that the majority of people think is going to be very, very explosive in the middle of the fifth round? He's going behind Deion Lewis in PPR leagues. He's going behind Ronald Jones. He's going behind Mark Ingram, who's not even playing the first four games of the season. I don't understand how Lamar Miller is not higher. The guy usually finishes as a running back 15, a running back 10, somewhere in there. I understand he's not flashy, but I love running backs that get goal line carries, and he is certainly going to get a lot of them. It is beyond all recognition that you can get Lamar Miller about a half a round before you can get Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack, who waited to have surgery and is still not healthy and is being blown out of the water in every report by Bicep Bob Turbin, right? 
I don't understand that. So I'm not a Lamar Miller guy, but as I've told you before, I am always a fan of players. It, it, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of players. I'm a fan of ADPs. And that is a guy I am absolutely going to target. I think it's nuts. I'll give you two more and then you go go with yours. I've talked about Rex Burkhead. John Pawson from 4 from 4 website just came out and talked about how he's the running back to own in New England. John Pawson has always been in the top three or four in the Fantasy Pros rankings, which I'm doing this year. He's right there. He knows his stuff. Don't be afraid of the New England running back. Whoever that goal line running back is, he's going to be effective. And I do not think it's going to be a rookie in Sony Michelle. If I like if I like Lamar Miller, then why wouldn't I like Rex Burkhead in round eight? Rex Burkhead is going in round eight. Rex Burkhead is going after Aaron Jones, Chris Thompson, Tariq Cohen. This is a guy who, when he performed, was one of the top running backs in football during that time period. There's no Deion Lewis. They line him up all over the place. I'm a huge fan of Rex Burkhead as well. And then continuing on, my last one, which is kind of a deep sleeper here, partner. I'd like to get your feedback on it. If you don't think Cincinnati's going to be good, and Cincinnati is going to be behind a lot, and they're going to be chasing points, then in a PPR league, why would you not like Giovanni Bernard? Every year, there's a satellite back or a pass-catching back, right, that comes out of the late rounds and pops. It's not usually the receiving back that comes out of the middle of the round. People tend to overpay for those. We're talking about backs that come out the late round. You, you know, your, your Chris Thompson, people like that. The back that I'm starting to warm to, man, is Giovanni Bernard. He is available in round 12. I don't know if they think Joe Mixon is a three-down back. And even if he is, do you see Giovanni Bernard not being on the field when they're behind? So if you don't think Cincinnati is good and you don't think they're going to be doing well, they're going to have to chase points. And if they chase points, Giovanni Bernard's going to get a lot of receptions. So those are three guys I'm looking at, Lamar Miller, Rex Burkhead, and Giovanni Bernard. Bernard's always thrived in that third down role, that, that pass catching back. And now Jeremy Hill is gone. Uh, the, the draft, the kid Walton in the, in the draft. But Mixon's going to get the crack to be a bell cow. It's a matter of now, can he produce? I would say the first couple weeks, three, three four weeks, you're going to see a lot of mixing. Now, if they're behind, of course, he'll be uh, Bernard will be out there. And if you expect the Bengals to be behind, be behind a lot, then sure, you can get some sneaky value with Bernard. But I think uh, just a lot of people think, and everything you read, is that Mixon's going to get a chance to be a bell cow. We'll see if he can handle it and become that guy. And I think you'd think he can be a very productive back this year. But I understand where you're going with Bernard. It's it's one of those scat backs. And then should Mixon ever get hurt, it's a great back to own. So maybe if you are drafted a Mixon, maybe you look to handcuff him with Bernard later on in, in, in the drafts if you can. Uh, for me, I'll give you three guys. I'm going to give you two running backs. One we've talked about a few times here, and I just can't you know, wrap around my head how Derrick Henry is continuing to be drafted behind Deion Lewis in, in, in redraft leagues. Um, I know Lewis has that scat back ability that we talk about, but just like I just said about Mixon getting the chance to be the bell cow, I think Henry's got to get a chance to be the bell cow here. He's waited a few years. Murray is gone. He's got that running style that can be the bell cow back in Tennessee. He's young. I don't see why you wouldn't want to give him the chance to, 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 to take that lead role and run with it. He's being drafted as an RB24, basically getting him right at the end of the fourth round, beginning of the fifth round, behind guys like Deion Lewis, behind guys like Alex Collins, who I like. But I don't know if Derrick Henry, if Alex Collins is going to be a better back than Derrick Henry. He's going behind Kenyon Drake. 
Uh, Rashad Penny, who we know nothing about in Seattle, we know that that situation is always gonna is always been crowded and always been cluttered with with noise and no one really producing. And again, he's also behind Mark Ingram, who's suspended for six games, which to me just it doesn't make much sense. So I mean, you're looking very early fifth round here. I think Eric Henry, Derrick Henry, offers you more of an early fourth round value. So he's someone I want to target. Um, right behind Derrick Henry is another guy that I'm looking at, and that is Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson was given a nice contract in Cleveland. I know Carlos Hyde is there. I know Nick Chubb is there. But Duke Johnson is going to become this jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. You're going to get him. You're, right now he's RB26 towards the end of the fifth round, right around the beginning of the sixth round, going behind those same guys that I said. You've been going behind Jay Ajayi. He's going behind Ingram. He's going behind the guy you like, Lamar Miller, who had you know had not put up any 100-yard games last year. I do agree he offers value and should be able to move forward a little bit. But Duke Johnson's got a chance to, to get significant carries alongside Carlos Hyde and Chubb. But then when it comes to third downs and passing downs, he's he's going to be a guy who's got potential to get 90, 90 catches. Do you know he had 93 catches last year? So, I mean, that's that's a running back to go along with 400 rushing yards, and he scored seven touchdowns. So you give him a contract. Obviously, you expect him more. So that was 93 catches out of the backfield. He's going to line up in the slot. So offers a ton of value, especially in PPR leagues. So for Duke Johnson's another guy that I want to target that I think is being undervalued. And then the last, the third guy I'm going to target is a wide receiver we touched on a little bit in our last episode. We talked about how the Giants have all these guys that everybody thinks are going to do well. To me, the beneficiary, the biggest guy to take the step forward is going to be a healthy Sterling Shepard. Wide receiver 40, ninth round is what you're looking at, going behind your guy Randall Cobb, Devontae Parker, who we're not a fan of, Julian Edelman, who's suspended, Emmanuel Sanders, who's got question marks with Case Keenum. Shepard, when been on the field, has shown he can produce. He has a nice rapport with Eli Manning. Beckham's going to draw double teams. You know they're going to have to focus on Evan Ingram because of because of what he showed last year. So who who benefits the most from this? To me, it's Sterling Shepard. He had 59 catches in 11 games. Remember, he missed some time due to injury. He's only going to go forward here. He's a year older, year wiser in this league, and I think he's a perfect guy to really benefit and target late. You know, ninth, ninth round. I, I, he's going to me outperform his wide receiver 40 uh adp right now and i'm going off of fantasy pros i know you used uh uh, fantasy calculator but i'm using fantasy pros and that's where he's at for me wide receiver 40 i'd look at it more as a wide receiver 30 32 something like that yeah you know and i'm looking back last year the point excellent picks and the duke johnson one is very important i i just to give you an example partner so these backs that are primarily just receiving backs out of the backfield man they are overdrafted Every single year. Duke right now, I think you said around round eight. That's fine. Listen to the backs from last year that are really just satellite backs and and how they did. Just think about it for a second. Ready? Bilal Powell was drafted with the first pick of the fifth round. Okay? There you go. Amir Abdullah was drafted with the fifth pick of the fifth round. Okay? Danny Woodhead was borderline round five, round six. Those are three guys in PPR leagues who people say they catch passes. They catch passes. I don't want a guy who just catches passes. I can get Duke Johnson in round eight or possibly round nine. Why would you take Deion Lewis in round yeah, five? Nah, I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't. I, I'll, I'll, I'll even one more for you. Theo Riddick went around seven. I mean, like, those are guys, they, they don't have any value. They have to be catching 90 balls. That's hard to do, right? Like, and Theo Riddick and Abdullah, one's probably going to be third on the depth chart. The other's going to be a do, did not dress. So it's just crazy how a year later, that's how this goes. 
But yeah, I mean, Deion Lewis and Duke Johnson, to me, it's not even a comparison. And maybe as we get closer, he'll climb up the board. But I mean, I, I don't think people realize that he had 93 catches. And as a running back, that that's the epitome of a satellite, you know, a, a back that can catch passes. I mean, he had more catch, uh, pass catches than Le'Veon Bell. So when you look at a guy like Duke Johnson, that's a ton of value. They didn't give him money and a contract for no reason. They like him. He's young. He's got talent. He's going to be a big part of that offense. And with the two quarterbacks, whether it's Tyrod or Baker Mayfield, I think he's a perfect fit for either one. So Again, I, yep, again, I'll go back to mine. I know that people are afraid of Patriot running backs, but you be, let me put you on the lie detector. Would you rather take Marlon Mack or Tariq Cohen two rounds ahead of Rex Burkhead? I mean, I, I mean, e- even though the Patriot running backs are bad, Scott, even if you get like five weeks out of Rex Burkhead, isn't that going to win you more games than Marlon Mack or or or, or Tariq Cohen? I, yeah, I, 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 I mean, you know, I'm still you know I'm still a Jordan Howard guy, so the Tariq Cohen thing, obviously, probably not. But Rex Burkhead, I agree, is probably going to first crack at his goal line touches, and he offers dual threat ability. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking him over uh, Cohen for sure, and I'm definitely I'm going to take him over Marlon Mack also, only because he's injured. They got a crowded backfield. Who knows who winds up taking it? I don't think it'll be your boy Bicep Bob, but it could be Hines, it could be Wilkins, or it could be a, you know like Green Bay and RBC. And, and then at that point, you it's like a guessing game. Throw a dart at the board to see who's going to have the best week. If Marlon Mack, Tariq Cohen, and Rex Burkhead all play within four games of each other. So I'll take 12 games of Burkhead over 16 games of Mack and Cohen. I guarantee you Burkhead outscores them in fantasy. I don't care. PPR, double PPR, standard, whatever you want. Now, if Burkhead goes out and slices ACL in week one, of course, that doesn't count. But that's true for any player. But you key, I'll give you four games. I'll give you four more games of Marlon Mack or Tariq Cohen. You take whoever you want. And I'll get two rounds later Rex Burkhead. I think that's the easiest bet we have on the board. All right, here we go. Fourth quarter. All right, guys, the one verse one was very popular last time. So we're going to come back with a, a few more one verse ones. I'm going to give Scott a one verse one on tight end, wide receiver, or running back. Now, partner, I want you to think of PPR leagues, okay? So these are guys who are being drafted in PPR leagues pretty close to each other. And I'm curious right now, and of course, this can change because, of course, we get to training camp and you can change your mind. I have no problem with that. But right now, if you had a choice, this is very interesting. Would you rather have George Kittle of San Francisco or Jack Doyle of Indianapolis? And I'm asking that because, of course, Eric Ebron is now in Indianapolis and Andrew Luck is coming back. So would you go with Kittle, who supposedly is the tight end du jour in round 10, out there with Jimmy G? Would you buy into that? Or would you rather have the consistency of last year, I think, number two in receptions for tight ends, Jack Doyle, even though he has Eric Ebron and Luck coming off of injury? I want the consistency. I want Jack Doyle. Um, I think I like Jack Doyle. I think that is, you know, outside of T.Y. Hilton is the most reliable option they're going to have. Ebron is there, but I don't think I don't expect the Eric Ebron to come in and take significant targets away from Jack Doyle. I like what I saw out of Kittle. I think he has a chance to build a nice rapport with Garoppolo in San Francisco and become a productive tight end. But in this situation, I like the known and the known is Jack Doyle, who was very, very good with Jacoby Brissett. Can only be better with Andrew Luck. Ebron, the threat of Ebron doesn't doesn't really affect my thoughts on Jack Doyle whatsoever. I think Ebron will get a couple of looks because they're still thin on the outside of the wide receiver position outside of uh, Hilton. So you'll probably see a couple of dual tight end sets, but I, I prefer Jack Doyle. 
Now let's go to a wide receiver, and I'm going to go two guys who are very polarizing. The first one is polarizing because of his age, and that's Larry Fitzgerald. Listen, Fitzgerald's a future Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest wide receivers that we've ever had in this game, but he's playing with brittle Sam Bradford and or a rookie in Josh Rosen in a very tough division with a new coach. Would you rather have him or would you rather have a guy that you don't like who underachieved last year, who has a new coach now in Oakland, in Amari Cooper. I think that's a very fascinating one. Fitzgerald now in PPR leagues is going at the end of round three. Cooper is going at the end of round four. Would you rather have the production with a questionable quarterback or the guy who underachieved but certainly seems to have more athleticism and is younger? Yeah, you know I'm not high on Amari Cooper this year, but in this situation I'm going to take Cooper with the – Pending looming suspension that may become a Martavis Bryant's way with Michael Crabtree departing, a healthy Derek Carr. I love Larry Fitzgerald. What Larry Fitzgerald has done throughout his career, the model of consistency has been unbelievable. And it, I'm not saying he won't have a consistent year again and put up the numbers he's done. But the question marks at quarterback are just too much for me. Sam Bradford will probably get hurt. And then does Josh Rosen come in and is he able to just, you know, put up not Watson-esque numbers, but step in as a rookie and be able to produce in a tough division on the West Coast, you know, with a team that's trying to find their form from a few years ago. Love Larry Fitzgerald. I'll take my shot with Cooper in this one head-to-head with a healthy car, no Crabtree, Brian possibly gone. It's Cooper's chance to shine. And I'm going to stay with wide receivers. I'll give you one last one. It has shocked me, and I didn't pick up on this right away, that A.J. Green is going towards the end of round two. I'm struggling with that. He's the only game in town in Cincinnati, enough with John Ross, okay? He is going to get a massive target share. I know people, you know, zone in on him and he has a lot of volatility, but he's right around the Devontae Adams area. We've talked about him. Mike Evans now is going to have Fitzmagic for a few games. I'm going to ask you, would you rather have A.J. Green at the end of round two or wait about a half a round later and get Doug Baldwin of Seattle. Now, if Seattle's not going to be good, then Baldwin should get a lot of targets, right? You can't have both of those, more than likely. That's why I'm asking. If you're picking at the end of round two, would you rather have A.J. Green or Doug Baldwin? A.J. Green. Um, I'll take A.J. Green. He's consistent. He's a better wide receiver, and there's no knock against Doug Baldwin, but he's a better wide receiver. He's a younger wide receiver. He, despite having Andy Dalton, gets every target known to man. There's question marks outside in the other positions. You don't know what Mixon's going to be. The tight ends can't stay healthy. We don't know who the other, you know, second, third wide receivers are going to be on this team. So for me, like you said, AJ Green's the only game in town. Baldwin's going to be in a similar situation. But for me, Green is more consistent. And he's just a better player. And he offers a better value there. As if he's going late round two as opposed to Baldwin, I got to take AJ Green. All right, so let me throw a couple your way. And the first one I'll start off with a couple of wide receivers that are similarly, uh, you know, pegged in ADP. One with a – it's a third wide receiver on a team with a quarterback that's up and coming. The other is a number two wide receiver with a new quarterback that's entering the fray. Emmanuel Sanders is going to the wide receiver 33. Right now, according to Fantasy Pros, he gets Case Keenum to come in. Just question marks and if Keenum can come over and – carry the success that he had in Minnesota into Denver and get both Sanders and Demarius Thomas back on track? Or would you rather have Cooper Cup, who has Jared Goff, throwing the football, 
He's lost the battle. Brandon Cooks, who's now come in, and then a healthy Robert Woods. So Emmanuel Sanders at a wide receiver 33, which is late round six, or Cooper Cup, wide receiver 36, early round seven. You know, it's amazing. I mean, we're going to be drafted in so many leagues together. I'm going to tip my hand. One of the guys that I love this year is Emmanuel Sanders. Listen, he's 31 years old. He still has the speed. He missed a lot of time last year. Case Keenum's going to throw the ball. They're going to go in the spread offense. I don't think Denver's going to be very good. I think their defense is okay, but they lost Tlaib. They lost some guys back there. I really like Emmanuel Sanders. I like Cooper Cup also. You know that. And I think Cooper Cup is going to still get red zone targets and all that other stuff. But I think that the Rams should have a better positive game script. I think they're going to win more games and and their defense is going to be tougher. So they're going to run the ball a heck of a lot more. I like both players. You pick two that I really like. But Emmanuel Sanders, for that value, Scott, if he stays healthy, I definitely see wide receiver two. And you're telling me I can get it with a wide receiver 33? And he's a guarantee, in my mind, at least a wide receiver two? I don't think Demarius Thomas is Demarius Thomas ages well. He's not a super fast guy. He's not a guy that gets great separation. He's very Des Bryant-like with the lobs. Emmanuel Sanders can be in the slot. He can be inside. He can be outside. He can run slant routes. He can run intermediate. He can go deep. And I think Keenum will be okay. So I'm going with Sanders. Good choice, though. Good start. I'm going to stick with the wide receivers. I'm going to give you two guys that are going right around the end of round nine, early round 10. And I'm doing this because outside of Aaron Rodgers, your quarterbacks two and three are Wentz and Garoppolo. So I'm going to give you two wide receivers who I know a ton of people are probably looking at and looking for sneaky late value. And that's wide receiver 43, Marquise Goodwin versus wide receiver 44, Nelson Aguilar. Wow, I can't believe I'm saying this because I really like Garoppolo. I'll take Aguilar. I'll take Nelson Aguilar. I, I like Marquise Goodwin. He's a little bit feast or famine with Garcon coming back, and they got Dante Pettis in the slot, and I, I Trent Taylor, and of course the back, McKinnon coming out of the backfield. I'm going to go with Aguilar. I think Aguilar is a great value. Philadelphia throws the ball. Doug Peterson is a former quarterback, and that is why his t- offense really clicks and throws the ball a ton. Ajayi is not a, a grinded out sort of back. This is a really good question. I am taking Aguilar simply because I think he will get a larger target share than Goodwin. If you put Aguilar on the Niners, I would love Nelson Aguilar as a mid-wide receiver too. That's how much I like Garoppolo in that offense, but it's a good one. I'll stay with Peterson, the Super Bowl champs, and take Aguilar. Excellent question. Right, well, I'm going to just stick with three three sets of wide receivers because that's matchups that I like here. And I'm going to give you two guys that have had success in the past but are now in two different places. And that is wide receiver 22, Allen Robinson in Chicago with Mitch Trubisky, and wide receiver 24, Michael Crabtree in Baltimore with Joe Flacco. You know, I lo- listen, I like Trubisky, and I like Nagy's offense, and I'm very high on Trubisky. I only had him ranked like 20th, but I, I just think I think he could really have a great, great year. I know people are saying the Bears are going to be the Rams. I think that's a little too easy to make that comparison. But I'm not sure that Allen Robinson is going to be a wide receiver one strong in that offense. I think there's a lot of people there who can get the balls. I, I don't know if they're going to be slinging it up and down the, the field as much. I think Allen Robinson will be solid. I do. Um, but Michael Crabtree should get every single pass in Baltimore. The only guy partner that's there is John Brown. And John Brown had one year when he was healthy, and that is it. And he is not in the same route tree 
with Baltimore with Crabtree. That's not the same route tree. Crabtree's going to be a red zone guy. Crabtree's going to get the ball. You know they like to pass the ball a lot. I'm not sold on their running backs, even though I know they probably want to run the ball a heck of a lot more. I am a fan of Michael Crabtree. I think for this year, you got to take Crabtree. I think he's the much safer play there. Michael Crabtree or Jamison Crowder? PPR? Yes. Wow. And you know I love Crowder. (laughs) I'll take Crabtree. Michael Crabtree or Pierre Grasson? (laughs) Wow. You're really on your game tonight. I'll stick with Crabtree. Tar- yeah, well, Crabtree, Crabtree going wide receiver 24, Garcon's at 27, Jameson Crowder wide receiver 30. Which I thought was a big gap there between Crabtree and, and Crowder. I like, sure I like the target share with Crabtree. I, really, I know he's old. I get it, man. But I just think somebody's got to catch the ball. I mean, they've passed the ball like 600 times every year, right? I mean, even if they go back <laughs> yeah, down but, to I mean, so are you, are you a believer in Joe Flacco bounces back? No, I'm just a believer in, in volume. That's yeah. what it is. It could be Lamar Jackson halfway through the year. I get that. I just think if you're if you're the quarterback, if Scott Burke is the quarterback, who are you throwing the ball to? <laughs> like, there's nobody there. I mean, I think you have to look Crabtree's right more, way more often than not, no? Yeah, if you're going in a flex position, so in our league we have the flex, which is anybody, and it's PPR, would you take Michael Crabtree or Duke Johnson? Oh, I'd take Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson's going 20 spots behind Michael Crabtree. Yeah, especially for that value. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good one, partner. Very good. Folks, there you go. Picking up the Blitz. We're we're rolling. Listen, send us email questions, putblitz at gmail.com. Follow Scott, S-C-O-T-557, myself at Randall Rant, and the pod at putblitz on Twitter. Let us know. It's going to be July soon, man. We're going to have a lot more information. And listen, I will promise you I will not take another tight end in this in this dynasty draft. that make you feel better? There's, there's none left for you to take. And don't forget, folks, go to draft.com. Use the code PUTB. Get your free entry with your first deposit. Folks, there, there, there are no more tight ends for you to draft. I mean, Tony Gonzalez isn't around. You know, there's nobody left. Nick Vanette, nah, I, can't, I think he was even drafted. So, no, I got nothing left. I wanted Austin Hooper. You know that. <laughs> I, I did, too. I had a target. <laughs> and he went round five. Whatever it might have been. We'll see you, folks. Take care.